Welcome again to Life Church. We are so glad that you're here with us today. My name is Dustin. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. Happy Happy Fourth of July weekend. Uh, hopefully, you've got a lot of fun things planned. You plan to be outside, spend some time with family and friends. Before we get into the message today, I do want to take a moment and honor one of our Life Church members. Some of you may already know this, but this past week we were faced with a tragedy. Uh, Dave Irwin, one of our members at this campus, was running on Thursday morning and he passed away unexpectedly. Uh, you could always find Dave at the back doors. I remember him always being right over there uh, with a smile on his face, welcoming and greeting every single person as they came into this auditorium. And when I think of someone that embodies what it means to be a member of Life Church, really just a Christian, Dave's face comes to mind. Uh, he's been, he was so kind to everybody, uh, including um, me and our students in our Life Leadership College program. And um, as we get more details on the funeral, we'll be sure to share those. Uh, but would you be in prayer with us uh, in the coming days and weeks for Dave's family, for Dave's close friends, for those that are deeply impacted and affected by this. Our staff and our church family during times like this are going to be the church and step up and do what we can and serve in whatever way we can to minister to Dave's family. But I just want us to pray that that family would have a peace that surpasses all understanding during a time like this. Um, in fact, before we continue with our message, would you join me in praying right now? Let's just pray together. God, it's in times like this where we need you all the more. God, we need you to show up. We need you to be with Dave's family and bring peace. God, thank you for gifting us with Dave. Such an incredible role model for us is what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And we pray that during this difficult time, that you would be the Prince of Peace for Dave's family and for his friends, that in this sorrow there may be joy because of the lasting impact that Dave has made on all of our lives. God, we pray that you would be with them during this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, today we are continuing our new summer series. It's called Songs of Summer. And uh, you just saw a video about it. You heard Annalia talk about it earlier. But each week, we're going to be looking at a different psalm from the book of Psalms in the Old Testament, in the Bible. So we're spending, I love it, we're spending our summer here at Life Church in the Old Testament. Not many churches do that. And we're going through a few different psalms, going to share about these songs in context. And you'll hear me say both song and psalm because they're somewhat synonymous in what we're dealing with today. Dave. David and other, King David and other people in the Old Testament wrote some of these songs. Some of them were poems. Uh, some of them were just like poetic literature. Uh, and we've been looking at a few of these different ones. Today, our psalm is Psalm 34.8. So if you've got your Bible, turn there, Psalm 34.8. We will read this psalm and then we will spend the remainder of this time together today going through the rest of this psalm so we can understand it in context. But I want us to start with verse 8. It's our key verse today. Psalm 34.8 says this, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Taste 
and see. That's the title of today's message, Taste and See. How many of you at some point in your life, possibly due to a recent uh, global disease, have ever lost your taste and or smell? Anyone ever lost their... Now, I know that some people might still not have a good taste or smell due to that. Uh, Thankfully, my wife and I, we never lost our taste or smell uh, during this pandemic, but we know many people who did. In fact, we, I remember seeing one video where, uh, or multiple videos on social media of people that had lost their taste or smell, and they were proving it by eating peppers and all this spicy stuff. Had you seen that? Uh, and they weren't affected by it. And I was thinking, at least right now you're not affected by it, right? Uh, But they would eat this because they didn't have a a sense of taste or smell. And as maybe fun as it was for that video, I know for many of us, for many of you, that's miserable. It's easy for us to take our taste for granted until we no longer can taste. And if we're not careful, we can, in our faith, we can forget how good the Lord tastes. Now, I know that's an awkward phrase. It's an awkward thing to say. But David here in the Old Testament, when he's writing this song, it's obviously poetic literature. And he's using this metaphor of taste for personal experience. So he's saying this. Don't just look at the Lord from afar. Don't just know about God intellectually. Don't just, you know, uh, uh, um, believe in him or even hear about him, but taste, consume, ingest. It is an engaging experience that David is welcoming us to. And I would imagine that the majority of people in this room here today have at least at one point in their life tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Yeah? I mean, there's been a moment in your life In fact, I'd love for all of us right now to go back to that moment where you've actually tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Some of you, you know, great Christians are thinking like every day I taste and see. That's great, but I want you in this moment to think back to like that moment where you really tasted and seen and saw that the Lord was good. Maybe it was the moment that you were saved, the the moment of salvation. And in that moment you tasted, man, like it, it was an engaging experience and you had this like Christian high Uh, For a week, maybe a month, maybe it lasted a year, but you no longer taste the same. For, For some of you, maybe it was an experience at camp when you were younger. For some of you, maybe it was when God showed up and saved your marriage that was falling apart. There was nothing that you or your spouse could do, but God showed up and did the miraculous. And in those moments, you tasted and you saw that the Lord was good. Maybe for some of you, There's a moment where God sustained you through an incredibly difficult season in your life, giving you peace and hope where there should have been none. And in that moment, you tasted and you saw that the Lord was good. Have you gone back to that moment? Think about it. I want you to find that moment. Maybe some of you are struggling to find a moment because maybe you haven't had a a moment where you've tasted and, and, and saw the Lord in this way. Maybe some of you, you have, but it's been a long time and you've forgotten how good God truly is. For some of us, it's very simple, very easy at times to just go through the motions of life and our faith. But if you were honest with me this morning, you haven't really felt God in a long time. And as warm as the summer might be, you feel cold when it comes to the things of God. Today's message 
is for those that want to get your taste back. It's, it's for those that feel like it's time to get back into that moment where you were at the altar, that moment where your hands were lifted in worship, or that moment where you truly felt the presence of God and you want to get back to that moment. You need a heart transplant from one that is dry and cold to one that is set on fire again. It's time to get your taste Back. So I want us to look at a few verses from David's psalm, Psalm 34, and discover a prescription for how to do this, for how to get your taste back. Listen, if your throat is parched and you're longing for your taste to return, let's do what David did. And number one, if you're taking notes, let's worship the Lord. I'm going to share with you a, a few simple points this morning that you can write down. Right now, you can write this down, worship the Lord. I'm going to give you a few more as we go through this psalm. They're going to seem simplistic, but they're David's recipe to once again get to the point in your life where you're tasting and seeing the goodness of the Lord. The first thing is worship the Lord. Look in verse one. He says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. David had just made it out of a precarious situation in his life. You can go back and you can read the story here, but he was in danger. He was fleeing from the king. And David knew that it wasn't his own doing that was going to save him, but it was going to be God's intervention in his life. So David burst out into worship, and in that he makes this audacious claim. He says, I will bless the Lord at all times, his praise will what? Continually be on my mouth. I think some of the reasons, maybe one of the reasons that some of us don't feel God in our lives is because we wait for a one hour time slot on Sundays to open our mouths and worship God. I know it just got uncomfortable in here, right? You felt it. You're here. This is good. We want you to come to church. I think it's a good, biblical, godly practice, but it is not enough. And if you wait for Sunday, hoping that you'll taste and see, but the rest of the week, you have no taste buds set that direction, then coming just on Sundays, you might not experience the Lord in the way that you want or in the way that you see other people experiencing the Lord. David said, I will, I'll bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. All times, not some of the time, not when I feel like it, not just on Sundays, but Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays, yes, also Sundays, all times. Church, it is incredibly important for us to develop the discipline in our lives to praise God at all times. Not just when circumstances dictate it, but at all times. And I get it. It is sometimes easy to disconnect from God whenever things are not going right in our lives. It's easy sometimes to blame God for the bad situations we find ourselves in. It's easy for us to get frustrated at him and to give God the silent treatment at times. You've done this. I've done it. Let me ask you a question. When you do this, when you, when you give God the silent treatment, when you blame him, when you're frustrated with him, who do you think that's harming? Like, do you think you're actually offending God? 
that you're showing him who's boss? Do you think that in those moments when you give God the cold shoulder because of some injustice you feel that you've acquired by his hand, do you think that you're harming God or might it be that you are harming yourself? Let me help you with something. We don't always praise God because of the situations we find ourselves in. We praise God in spite of the situations. In the face of whatever life throws at us, which it will throw things at us, we praise God in spite of those things because we trust and we know that he is good at all times. That regardless of whatever we're facing, whatever valley that we might be walking through, God is still good. God is still worthy of our trust. God is still faithful and God is still with us. I work with our school of ministry students. I mentioned it earlier, Life Leadership College. It's a group of 18, 19, 20-somethings. And um, they think that life is hard. And they're right, but wait until they're 30 and 40 and 50. Like, it doesn't get easier. Uh, but you can't tell them that. Um, or you can. doesn't do anything. Uh, so during the semester, we would meet at 8 o'clock in the morning for early morning prayer, which is exactly what college students want to be doing at 8 o'clock in the morning. And uh, we, we would gather at the Brookfield campus at the, at the front of the auditorium. We, we'd circle up. And uh, there would just be times where I would stand up there, they would join me, and I could just feel the vibe, and it was off. I could tell by some of their faces that they had woken up on the wrong side of the bed or um, just were having a very bad moments or just weren't feeling it. And so rather than doing what I would typically do, share a brief devotional or close out in prayer, I would, uh, I, I would sometimes go around the circle and have everyone share one way that God blessed them this past week. Or I would have them share one thing that they're um, thankful for, one thing that they're grateful for that God has done or is doing in their lives. We would go around the circle and we would share these things and it, it wouldn't, necessarily fix everything in that moment. But what it would do was reorient all of our hearts and our minds so that we weren't focused on the problems we were facing, but we were focused on the God who is over all of the problems. And I often could feel the, the atmosphere or the mood begin to shift. This is what it's like to choose to bless the Lord at all times, continually, in spite of whatever we might be going through or feeling in the moment. I'll tell you this, whenever you're feeling like not blessing and worshiping God, that's often when you need to do it the most. You don't have to say amen because I know it's true. Psalm 34, verse 2, David continues. He says, My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. David had a lot to boast about. If you know anything about David's story, you probably know at least one story. And I believe by this moment in time, it had already happened where he had slain a giant. He could have boasted about that. He had already been anointed and promised to be the next king. He could have boasted in that. But instead, what does David do? He boasts in the Lord. He 
determined at some point in his life that God would be the sole focus of his boasting. So let me ask you, who are you boasting in? Is it you and your own accolades, your own accomplishments, your success in the workplace? Are you boasting in your spouse? It's good to be proud of your spouse, but is your spouse where your soul's boast comes from? I know that some of you, maybe your boast is in your children or your children's children, consumes the majority of your day or your time. Again, be proud in those things, but is that, does that have your soul's attention, your heart's focus? For some of us, maybe our boast is in some celebrity we've never met but follow on social media, and so they get all of our time and or attention. Will your soul boast in those things, or will your soul, like David, Will it boast in the Lord? He says the humble will be the ones that boast in the Lord. They will be the ones that hear and are glad. They will be the ones that are able to taste and see that the Lord is good. David continues, verse three, he says, Oh, magnify the Lord and let us exalt his name together. There's a lot to be said here, but the main thing is that David knows that private worship is a good thing. You need to worship God when you're alone in your car. And it doesn't just mean singing songs of worship. It can be that. But it could just mean turning your heart, your attention to him, focusing on him, thanking God for all the things that he's blessed you with. Private worship is good, but David knows that private worship is not enough. There's something powerful about coming together in a room like this, and you know it because you're here Either that or you were forced to be here this morning. But there's something powerful about coming together and worshiping God in a room together. The ideal praise to God is his assembled people joining their voices together in thanking him and in worshiping him. And all of this David is writing and saying in the Old Testament before the church was ever formed. This is all the more true in the New Testament with the formation of the church. And it's certainly true today. And do you know why? I really think there's something divine that happens in a room where when people lift up their voices in worship together, what we just did for the last half hour in here, there's something divine about it. We didn't just come up with this for entertainment value. We don't do this just because we've got a good band that sounds good and because the rest of the world are putting on concerts, so we're trying to match the energy. This was created in the Bible before the formation of the New Testament church, in the Old Testament, all the way through, the believers of Jesus, the, the followers of God, have always historically gathered together and worshipped his name. And there's something incredible that happens. It's because in moments like this, where we're worshipping together in a room like this, you can look across the aisle and you can see that person that God has brought out of darkness into his marvelous light. And you can see her worshiping with her hands lifted high. And that can spark something within you. It's because my wife and I, we, we, um, when, when I'm not preaching or at a different campus, if we're here at the Germantown campus, I'm usually sitting in that general vicinity. And I, a couple of weeks ago, we were worshiping, and there was a, an elderly man right behind us who was singing loud, off-key but loud. 
And rather than being frustrated or turned off by that, I was encouraged by that because I don't know that man. I don't know his story, but I would imagine when you're 70, 80 years in to life that you've gone through some things, but this man was able to still proclaim boldly and loudly, and again, off Keeley, the, 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 the marvelous splendor of his God. And it sparked something within me. When we gather together in worship like this, there's something that can only happen in a corporate setting. And if you want to get your taste back, I would encourage you to do what David did, worship the Lord. Do it in private, do it in public, do it together, but worship the Lord. Secondly, seek the Lord. We see in verse four, David said, I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all of my fears. Notice the order here. David sought the Lord and then God answered him and then God delivered David from all of his fears. That's how it works. When you seek, scripture says, you will find. The Hebrew word that David used here for sought means to seek with care, to inquire about, to investigate, to be intent on. I like the word intent there because when you seek God, there's gotta be some intentionality behind it. Some of us live our lives on autopilot hoping that we're going to just kind of end up where we're uh, hoping to end up. We're, we're, we're coasting along on a lazy river hoping that we end up at our intended destination, but without any real actual intentionality behind how we're actually going to get there. And it's so amazing that the creator of the universe not only allows us to bring our needs and our requests before him, but he wants us to. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. God wants us to seek him, to pursue him. And I don't know all of what David had to be fearful about. Maybe it was fear of the future. Maybe it was fear of his enemies. Maybe it was fear that he lacked provision while he was on the run. But listen, his fears and our fears aren't too far apart. Rather than fearing our fears, rather than dwelling on our fears, rather than allowing our fears to overwhelm us, we should do what David did and take our fears to the Lord. David wrote in verse five, he said, those who look on him, they are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. Let me see your radiant faces today. Yeah? Um, I just recently started a big boy face moisturizing routine at home. I know you've noticed and just haven't said anything and that's fine. Uh, but my, my, my wife has given me some, some moisturizing creams and I've, you know, I've been using them. Our guys need to, guys need to take care of their skin too, okay? Listen. Um, stop. <laughs> David is saying in this, I forget, I, sometimes I'm in Wisconsin and guys don't do face moisturizing in Wisconsin, do they? Um, David is saying here that those who seek the Lord, who give their worries and their fears to God, who turn to God during difficult times rather than away from him, that their hearts will be filled with so much joy that it will radiate from their entire being, that their face will show it, that, that the joy of the Lord in their heart, the presence of God is better than Neutrogena and it's better than anything Botox can provide. The joy of the Lord in one's heart will radiate out from them. Their faces will never be ashamed. 
When you come to the Lord, you have no reason to be ashamed. I understand that there's going to be some guilt whenever you've maybe committed a sin or been living a way that you know you shouldn't, but there shouldn't be shame. When you sin, we don't run from God. We run to God. It's like the story in, um, uh, th- th- that is told in the, in the New Testament where uh, the, the, the father, uh, the, the son that's run away, the fa- and he comes home, the father is waiting there with arms open wide, ready to receive his child back home. God is not the shame giver. He's the shame lifter. Scripture says, therefore, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So don't run from the presence of God. Run to the presence of God. And then we get to our main verse, Psalm 34, verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. And from there, David goes on to sing about the importance of honoring the Lord. That's the third thing we should do. If we want to get our taste back, honor the Lord. Verse 9 says, Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The word fear there simply means to honor. I chose the word honor because in our context and culture today, fear uh, makes you think that you got to be spooked by God. If he shows up, you're like, Uh, And that's not what this fear means. It means to revere, to honor, to respect mightily. A few verses after verse 9, David says this, Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. So so David's saying, hey, now that you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good, because these verses follow taste and see, he's saying, now that you've done that, live a life that reflects it. And the order here is incredibly important. Pay attention to this. God doesn't want us to be good in order to get to him, but because of his goodness, because of his faithfulness, because of his grace, because of his mercy, we are able to then live lives that honor him. When we've tasted and seen that the Lord is good, we live a life that reflects it. When you've truly experienced Jesus in your life, your life will be different. And if you've truly experienced Jesus in your life, people around you should take notice of it. They might not know what to make of it. They'll say, you know, they'll whisper around the the, uh, water cooler, there's something different about Christy. Or, man, Kevin, are you okay? You've been smiling a little bit too much. Uh, they, they won't maybe always know how to make sense of it, but there's something different about a Christ follower, the way that they walk. When you've tasted the goodness of the Lord, you can't help it, but goodness is going to flow out of your mouth. When you've tasted the grace of the Lord, you can't help it, but grace is going to flow out of your mouth. Mercy in, mercy out. When you taste forgiveness, you'll be able to forgive more freely and more liberally. When you've tasted the love of God and the love that he has for you, love will flow out and the world will take notice. We must honor the Lord. And then David concludes with the final, fourth and final thing he says here in Psalm 34. And he encourages us to trust the Lord. Trust the Lord. And you can read in your own time, but verses 15 through 22 all speak about how God cares for those that remain faithful to him. We'll read just one verse here, verse 22. It says, The Lord redeems the life of his servants. 
None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. And I love that David concludes his song this way. He concludes it with trust. Because he knows from experience that worshiping God in spite of your circumstances and seeking the Lord in every situation and honoring God in the way that you live your life is not some magical incantation that erases all doubts or worries or frustrations. It doesn't automatically fix everything and pull you out of the valley to the mountaintop. So David says, after you've done all that you could possibly do, trust. When you can't run any further on your own or even with God's help, just take your hands off the steering wheel and trust. Trust that God is who he says he is. Trust that God will do what he promised he will do. Trust that God will not leave you or forsake you. Trust that he is near the brokenhearted. That it is often when you are at your lowest, when God is most present, if you'll open your eyes to see him. Trust that he will supply all of your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to you in Christ Jesus. Trust. When you can do nothing else, trust. When you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good, sometimes the only thing left for you to do is hold on. Remind yourself that the Lord is good even when you don't feel like it. Trust in him. God, we come to you this morning and we are hungry and thirsty for an experience from you. God, we pray this morning that you'd restore to us the feelings and the relationship we've lost. Remind us of those moments where we felt you, where we experienced you in your fullness and we knew that you were real, knew that you were alive in our lives. Help us to feel that once again. God, remind us in this moment, if we are not where we once were, it was not you who moved. Help us to find our way back to you today. You are not hidden from any of us. God, I pray that in this moment, you would revive us again. God, help us to worship you in spirit and in truth. Help us to seek you, ruthlessly run after you, even when, especially when, we've fallen away. Help us to honor, respect, fear, revere you. May our lives be different because of it. And then God, help us to trust. For those of us that came in this room today without a relationship with you, it all starts there. God, I pray that in this moment you would save your children, by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would lift up their head, you would heal their hearts, and you would bring hope. God, once again, may we all taste and see that you are good. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.